Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Generosity that we've been talking about has been uh, an incredibly, I don't know about you, but it's been fairly challenging. Have you find yourself going through drive through differently? Those of you that still go through drive through I know all the paleo people and they didn't sell a kale salad at McDonald's, so I couldn't go there. <laughs> I'm still eating burgers, people. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but uh, when I go through the drive um, don't nod your head like, yeah, we can tell. Uh, that's not nice. Um, <laughs> When you go through the drive-thru and I find myself being insanely cheery, you know? Thanks so much! Just trying to be overly generous with my words. That's a great burger! Lady looks at you like, what are you on? You sure you want Coke? Yes, please! I find myself being really generous with my words. It's so important. It's amazing how much of a difference it can make to your interactions, right? Going through the drive-thru, just uh, have a great day. And they look at you like you're from another planet. That's exciting. People think I'm from another planet. No, it's exciting um, to be able to be a little bit of a change. And, and how many of you have felt a shift in your worship? Yeah. Are you worshipping differently? Being more generous with your worship in, in this next thing? I think it's exciting uh, to think of, uh, I don't know about you, but this morning I thought worship was fantastic. What a great atmosphere in the, in the house and uh, incredible opportunity for, for us to come and put the Word into action. I don't want to be part of a church where we come and we hear a great message and go, that's really good, and then just go home and continue doing things exactly the same way as we always have. That would seem a little bit redundant to me, a little bit pointless for us to do that. The, the, the mandate for us as the church is to become like Christ, right? To be Christians, little Christ ones, that's the job. Um, and so we come to learn on how to do those things and then take home and apply some of those principles and allow ourselves to be grown and stretched, yeah? Fantastic. So uh, we're just going to continue with a little bit more of that growing and stretching. Look, I don't have room for a towel. Um, a little bit more of that growing and stretching stuff this morning, if that's okay. Um, and I want to speak to you about being generous with your wealth. And I felt the collective clinch in the room. <laughs> you know, anytime you talk about money, people are like, <gasps> he's going to talk about, I saw husbands nudging wives, let's get the kids, let's get out of here. Um, <laughs> look, if, we, if it really was a money grab, I would have done the offering after the sermon. I didn't do that because it's not a money grab. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is not just about your money, but I want to talk to you about being generous with your wealth. Before you shut down, before you shut off, firstly, can I ask you to ask the question, why that is your response? Just think about that. Just let that stew for a little bit, and we'll come back to that. But the dictionary defines being generous as showing a readiness to give more of something, comma, especially money, comma, than is strictly necessary or expected. That's what generosity is. It's to give more than what's expected. So it would be like going to the movies and they say that'll be $14 and you give them a 20 and say keep the change. I'm giving more than is expected or required. You would get people's attention if you did that, right? Are you serious? You sure? You don't want... I don't know if you've ever done that. I've done that with five cents, right? Don't worry about the change. It's five cents. I don't want five cents. And people are like, what are you talking about? 
It's five cents. I don't care about five cents, right? And just five cents. So can you imagine if it was five bucks? People are like, what are you talking about? I'm losing my mind here, right? More than what is expected or necessary. And wealth is defined as the abundance of a valuable resource or valuable material possessions. So we're going to talk this morning about being generous, giving more than is expected or necessary, with your valuable possessions or resource. Not just money. Let's not make the mistake of this, making this conversation just about money. This is not a conversation about money. This is a conversation because have you ever heard that saying, you know, oh, that guy's a wealth of experience. Or oh, that guy's got a wealth of knowledge on that subject. Or that guy's got a wealth of talent. What are we saying? He's got way more talent than is fair. <laughs> right? I'm upset because I want some talent and he's got way more than he should have and that's not right. He's a wealth of talent. In other words, he's got spare to give away. And yet how many people do we know that are a wealth of talent that are not talking to anybody, they're not sharing that talent or information or gift with anybody, and yet there's an opportunity for us and a mandate, I believe, from the Bible for us to be generous with whatever we are wealthy in. As a nation, I would say that financially we are a wealthy nation. The levels of poverty that we personally, and I would, I would suggest that most people inside the walls of this church, the levels of poverty that we experience is nothing on a global scale. There are safety nets built into it, and that's why we are the lucky country, because there is an ability for us to, to access certain things of social justice, to get needs and basic humanitarian needs met within this culture that do not exist elsewhere. So there is a, a blessing and a wealth that sits with us as a country, but more so us as the church to talk about and have a conversation about our mindset towards our wealth. This conversation about generosity is not about numbers. It's not about crossing T's and dotting I's. It is actually about a mindset, a heart condition towards my surplus in some area of my life. Whew. You ready? I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm excited that we can have a conversation about this. And, and I want to I start by saying th this is not a conversation about tithing. It really isn't. As far as I'm concerned, there isn't a conversation about tithing. Um, how many of you have ever heard tithing is an Old Testament principle? Has anyone ever heard that? Anyone ever, ever felt like, you know, it, it was done away with at the cross and we don't tithe anymore and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we've heard those arguments a hundred times. I'll just read you a scripture just to cement in your head that this is not a conversation about tithing, right? Uh, Luke chapter 11. Luke is in the New Testament. New Testament, right? It's not Old Testament. This is New Testament. Luke chapter 11. This is not a disciple or a Pharisee or somebody else speaking. This is Jesus. I can tell because it's in red. And my Bible gives me the heads up that it's Jesus. So I should pay attention, right? Uh, it is Jesus speaking to the church. He's speaking to religious leaders at the time. Cool? You with me? It's New Testament, Jesus speaking. At this point, we know that what he's about to say is fairly important. If you've got three years on this earth to make an impact and you are the Son of God, then every single word that comes out of your mouth is important. Every if and or but that he said was deliberate. It was there for a purpose, right? So here we go. Luke 11. Then the Lord, Jesus, 
said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Here's the big money, big money scripture. You ready? Deep breath. All of you people that are wrestling with tithing, deep breath. Here we go. You should tithe. Yes. Jesus speaking, right? You should tithe. Yes. But do not neglect more important things. In other words, it's the tithe and. Now, Jesus is saying this. Why would he say that if he did not want tithing to continue? Completely illogical for him to do that. That was an opportunity for him to say, don't worry about tithing. That's an Old Testament principle. Didn't do it. Said you should tithe. Yes. Full stop. For me, that's the end of the conversation. I don't need you to exegete scriptures. I don't need you to bring me 14,000 prophetic words as to why it's, why it's not necessary. Jesus said, it's in red, we're done. So the conversation that we're having this morning is not a conversation about tithing. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's a closed case, right? You don't go back and revisit closed cases, it's done. What we're talking about this morning is a spirit, a mindset, an attitude of generosity when it comes to our wealth, Yeah? So why is it so important that we have the conversation about our wealth? Well, I'm glad you asked. Actually, you didn't ask, I asked, but anyway. There's a story in the Bible in Matthew chapter 19 of a young man who's seeking the call of God for his life. He hears stories of this incredible prophet, this incredible person who is professing to be the son of God. That's pretty exciting. If you're a person who has a spiritual hunger, who is looking and searching for God, and you hear news that the Son of God is working and walking and ministering, then you go and seek Him out. You want, you want to know what the deal is, right? You want to check this guy out. So this young man comes and he finds Jesus and he says, what do I need to do to access eternal life? It's a great question. It's a great question. And Jesus begins to say, well, you need to keep the law, do the job. It's what it looks like. This is what it is. He goes, cool, I've done all that. What else? And Jesus says, sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And come and join my ministry team. Oh, come on. I was excited when Tony asked me to come on team here. Much less when Jesus himself the son of the living God who is walking through the land, creating chaos left, right and centre, ruining funerals, opening his own catering business with no supply, doing all these amazing, crazy, incredible, over-the-top things, raising people from the dead, making blind eyes open, loosing dumb mouths, uh, casting demons out of people, transforming the landscape of the day. 5,000 people coming out to watch him preach. And this is before Twitter and before Instagram. Nobody knew it was word of mouth. This guy is changing the world. The guy who some 2,000 years later, we are still feeling the seismic activity from when he walked this planet. The son of the living God invites you to join his ministry team. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. 
I'm excited for him. What an amazing opportunity. Problem is he didn't join the team. Why? Well, because Jesus says, sell everything you got. And he had a lot. And so because of his mindset towards his wealth, he missed the greatest opportunity in history. We could be talking about him as one of the disciples who wrote a book in the Bible that we were reading, who spoke about the greatness. He could have been the founding father of the modern church. He could have been the guy that we read about that was raising. He could have been Peter or James or John. He could have been raising people up from their crippleness. He could have been doing amazing things, but he just left sad. And the determining factor was his mindset towards wealth. We have stories in the Bible of people like Job, who was incredibly wealthy. People like Abraham, who was very wealthy. And so on and so on. And there's lots of wealthy people. David, incredibly wealthy people. What is the difference? I put it to you, it's not about the amount of money that you have. It's about your mindset to what you have. And so this morning, I want to challenge our mindsets and stretch it a little bit. Um, we, We look at the life of someone like Job, who had so many camels and so many donkeys and so much wealth. And, and, and the Bible says he was the richest man on earth at the time. The richest man on earth. And lost everything. Everything. And what does he say? Naked I came. Naked I'll leave. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's a different mindset to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And he left sad. There's something about the mindset towards the way we handle wealth. I I, want to challenge the fact that when we talk about wealth, people get uptight. I kind of feel like we should be a church that can talk about anything. Because we want to know what God has to say. Regardless of how many American televangelists have appealed to you for fuel for their private jet, you know that's not us. Regardless of how many ads you've seen on TV, the crazy crackpots saying they'll preach and you'll get healed and blah, 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 if you just send money, you know that's not us. So why do we clench up when somebody wants to talk about what we're going to do with our wealth? Why? I, um, I watched an amazing video this week. Um, I, was, I was researching on generosity. And I'll tell you, do yourself a favor, get on YouTube and look up generosity and you will be taught some things by the world that I feel like should have been bought from the church. There are some videos that I watched that profoundly impacted and changed my life from unchurched, unsaved people with an understanding of generosity that is greater than most churches that I've been in. Amazing. There was a story of a young lady who was working in Cambodia. She was an Asian lady, and and, and she was working overseas, but she was working in Cambodia, and she... um, she was going to uh, work in a rickshaw every day and on the corner she would stop and these little beggar children would come and ask for money, as they do. She knew, knowing what she knew of the culture, that they were part of a syndicate and, and I've seen this sort of thing in Africa when I went to Africa, but there's, there's people that wait and take the money from the kids and then give them things like glue to sniff or drugs or whatever and they keep these kids on the chain and basically they use them as an income stream, um, pr- playing on the sympathy that a a young child would get in that that state. And I've seen it myself, and this lady knew that that was happening. And so she was torn by, how do I 
minister with compassion, uh, uh, not being a Christian person, interesting words, but how do I reach people with compassion and do what I feel is right in myself um, and, and still reach these young people uh, without enabling the situation that's happening? How do I do that? I'm not sure. Uh, and so she came up with this brilliant idea. She bought these packets of biscuits where the biscuits were individually wrapped. And so she would pull up at the lights and she would give all the kids a biscuit. In an individual, so it was hygienic because it wasn't, you know, and it wasn't worried about whose fingers were on it or anything. It was all individually wrapped. And so she would stop and she'd give them, the kids would come, she'd give them all the biscuit. And she was like, I felt awesome. I felt like, wow, I'm doing, doing this amazing thing. And, and isn't this incredible? Um, and, and one day she, she stopped at the lights and she's giving all these kids the biscuits and she uh, felt a tug on her trousers. And one of the young boys was handing her the biscuit back. And she was annoyed. What, my biscuit's not good enough for you? I'm being very generous here. Can't you see how much of a humanitarian I'm being? How dare you be so ungrateful? And she began to be indignant with the situation and she was ready to burst and boil over. And then the little boy turned a little bit and she could see that he only had one arm. And the reason he was handing the biscuit back because he needed help opening it. And she said, if I had sped away in my haste, I would have left with an attitude questioning whether generosity was worth it because I hadn't seen the full picture of what was going on. And I wonder how many times in life we have been burnt in acts of generosity purely because we haven't seen the full picture yet, purely because we moved away or we stopped being generous before the breakthrough came, because we shrank back rather than push forward. And, I, and I've got to tell you, I feel like as the church, we need to be bigger than that. I feel like as the church, we need to be better than that. And so I want to uh, share with you some principles this morning. That was my intro. It was really long. I'm sorry. Um, Share with you some, some stuff, I believe, about our mindset towards generosity, particularly when it comes to our wealth, that if we can get a hold of these principles that I feel have been modeled for us and apply them to our lives, we can be one of the greatest forces for change the world has ever seen. Uh, one of the, one of the young, other men that I watched a video of, he said um, uh, they ran a social experiment about the generosity of people and how generous people are. So they went to this cartoon museum, and it cost a dollar to go to the cartoon museum. And so what they said was, look, we're not going to have a charge. We're just going to have a little uh, a thing where you can put what you think it's worth. And so people came in, and on average, the, the given amount went to $1.23. And they thought, isn't that interesting per person? Isn't that interesting? Amazing. What we're going to do now is we're going to not charge an amount, but we're going to personalize the experience, and we're going to have you give the cashier face-to-face -face on the way out what you think it was worth. And they watched the average given go up to just over $2. Because people are fundamentally looking for a reason to be generous. And then, to personalize the experiment even further, what they did was they said, look, what we want you to do is we want you to not pay for you. We want you to pay for the person who's coming after you. And the amount went to $3 and something. So we've tripled the amount of income when I make it about other people, not about myself. And when I make it a face-to-face -face interaction, I feel like this is the stuff that the church should know. I feel like this is the stuff that the church should be activating. To me, this is the conversation about generosity with wealth. It's not about tithing because tithing's a given. It's not about who wants your money and who doesn't want your money. It's about a spirit of generosity. So Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, 
It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. In other words, I'm dead, he's alive. Yep, we're cool with that. Just, just a show of hands. How many of us believe the Bible is the Word of God? Yeah, that's fairly important. This is a good point to start from. So if we believe that the Bible is the Word of God, and the Word of God says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. How many rights do dead people have? None. Zip. Nada. Nothing. That should help with the whole offense thing, right? Just saying. But what we're talking about here is generosity. So if, if I'm dead and Christ's alive, then my job would be, what would Jesus do with what's in my wallet? Because I'm supposed to be living for Him now. Right? Huh, that's interesting. And then 1 Corinthians 10.26 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In other words, every, is, is everyone on earth this morning? Yep. Yeah, so everything here belongs to Him and the fullness thereof. It's His. I think the problem is that we've got confused about who owns what. And it's affected our mindset. But it's my money. No, it's not. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof because I believe the Bible and that's what the Bible says. Yeah, but it's my resource. Yeah, yeah, but hang on, aren't you dead? So, hang on a minute. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You can't have it both ways. You're either going to spend eternity with Jesus because you're living for Him now and therefore I'm dead, He's alive. And then in eternity, I'll be alive because He was dead, right? Or it doesn't work both ways, right? You can't have your cake and eat it too. It's literally, I need to live like Jesus would live if He was walking in my shoes. That changes the whole conversation about generosity. Because now it's not about how do I be generous, it's about how would He be generous. That's a different conversation. It gets really quiet in here, doesn't it? So if we believe the Bible and we believe what it says, the question becomes, if it's him and not me, what should I be doing? So if there was ever a model of what to do with wealth, it's in the Bible. So I started to look at, how does God give? How is God generous? And I've got four things for you that I think if we can get a hold of and we can model in our own generosity, we can change the world. Not just Adelaide, the world. So here we go. Point number one, if you're taking notes, God gives always. Always. When does God give? Always. When does God stop giving? Never. God gives always. From Genesis to Revelation, God gives. God gives, what? His mercies are new every morning. Every day there's a mercy for what you're walking through. Every day there's fresh grace for what you're walking through. Every day from Genesis to when Jesus came, He was planning on giving His Son on how to bring us back into relationship. Every single day of His existence, God gave. He gave life. He gives hope. He gives freshness. He gives uh, future. He gives purpose. He gives destiny. He gives prophetic words. He gives community. He gives family. He gives blessings. He gives everything that there is, He gives. What does God do? God gives. All the way from the beginning. Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. Let me make. I'm going to give you someone to be with you. 
all the way through. For God so loved, He gave. God gives always. Do I give always? Or do I only give when I feel like it? Do I give off the back of a motivational message? Do I give because I feel like I'm, I'm a bit flush with cash at the moment, so yeah, I'm just going to give a little bit and tip God and it'll be great, yeah? Or do I just give always? Is giving an act or is it a mindset? Is giving an act or is it a lifestyle, a way of life? I want, I want to be known as a giver. I want to be a generous person, which means it's unnecessary is where we move to generosity. Yeah? God gives always. Point number two, God gives extravagantly. Extravagantly. He didn't just take the children of Israel out of Egypt. He guided them with a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. He didn't just take them out of Egypt. He opened the Red Sea so that they could walk through and deliver them from their enemies. He didn't just do that, but He took them through the desert for 40 years. He provided meals for them every single day. Extravagant over the top. And when they said, we're sick of bread, we want meat. He bought meat. I would have said, you spoiled brats, go out and get something. But not God. He's generous, extravagant, over the top, crazy generous. Quails all over the ground. Generous. He didn't just send an angel. You'll do. He sent his best, his one and only son. Extravagant. He didn't just send him, just go, die, come back. Go. Live for three years in ministry, 30 years before that. Do life. Build connections. Love these people. Heal blind people, broken people, deaf people. Deliver them from their demons. Feed them when they're hungry. Are you kidding me? The God of heaven, five loaves and two fish. Look, the people are hungry. He could have just said, hey, look, church, thanks so much for coming. If you want to go home, we'll be back here at 6 p.m. for the service if you want to come back. And uh, it'd be great to see you then. Go and make your way out, get something to eat. The cafe's open. No, you feed them. I'm going to do something about the most mundane, ordinary need that they have just being hungry. I'm not just interested in, oh, you know, let's pray for our community. Yeah, let's pray for our community, but let's do something. Generous, over the top, crazy, extravagant. God gives always. God gives extravagantly. Do we? Do we give over the top? Or do we reason, mm, that's about what I can afford. So I'll take a couple bucks off and I'll give that. Or do we give extravagant over the top? Well, that's a bit extravagant, isn't it? Well, it's a bit Jesus then, isn't it? Anybody think you're a Christian carrying on like that? Settle down. Gives always. Gives extravagantly. Not the second most valuable. Not the stepson I don't really like. My one and only son. The best that I have. He gives graciously. What do I mean by graciously? Well, undeserved. Unwarranted. And at times, unrequited. He loved me and I chose not to love him. He doesn't give based on my response. He gives because of his mindset towards me. How many times do we withhold our generosity? Well, they're just going to spend it on alcohol anyway. That's not your problem. What happens with your generosity is not your responsibility. 
Your generosity is your responsibility. Because thank God that Jesus didn't look down through time and go, well, they're not really going to be into me anyway. So maybe I just won't. It would be a bad steward of me. Many times we use that bad stewardship argument to justify our own stinginess. Right? I don't want to be a bad steward with what God's given me, so I'm just, you know, I'm just going to hold on to it. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. The church doesn't need my money. That person is probably just going to buy beer anyway. I'm sorry, where did the outcome become your responsibility? The mindset, the attitude, the heart condition, that's on you. What happens after the generous act, lifestyle, that's not on you. You don't stand before God and answer for what somebody did with the money that you generously gave them. You just answer for what you did with the opportunity to be generous. Yeah? Gives graciously. And we don't deserve it. If we look at God and Jesus through the Bible, whinging Israelites, are you kidding me? They drive me crazy with their whinging in the Bible. We don't like manna. We've had enough manna. All right, I'll give you quail. We don't like quail. We're sick of quail. We want to go back to Egypt. Onions and leeks. Seriously, I'd slap them upside the head. If you read Exodus, God got real close a couple of times. He had a conversation with Moses. Look, these mob of whingers, seriously, get out the way. I'm about to wipe them out. We're going to start again, and you can be the father of the new nation. Moses like, no, God, don't do it. I would have been, they're lucky they got Moses, not me. I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. Have at it. <laughs> Not Moses. No, God, spare your people. <laughs> I don't know why Moses hasn't gone through puberty yet. <clears throat> Very cool. Gives graciously. Again and again and again. 40 years of blowing it in the wilderness, and he still opened up the promised land to him. Mistake after mistake after mistake. David blew it, I don't know how many times. Still a man after my own heart. God gives graciously. I've helped him out before. I was generous once before. Didn't do anything for me. It's kind of not the point, if I'm honest. And I am mostly honest. (laughs) Gives graciously. Not expecting a return. Like that lady with her biscuits. The generous act wasn't about the kid and whether he did give the biscuit back because he didn't like the flavor. It was about her. It's about what she was doing, right? That's the example that we have as a church. I want to be a church that gives always. Always. If you need something, we're here. Always we give. Extravagantly. Oh, you didn't have to do that. I know. Isn't it cool? I didn't have to. But God didn't have to either. And so if I'm going to be him, because it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me, stands to reason. Hmm. I know, it is good. (laughs) Gives always, gives extravagantly, gives graciously. Number four. This is so clearly illustrated in the life of Jesus. Gives till it hurts. He gives till it hurts. And then just a little bit more. Hanging on a cross, 
dying for your sins wasn't a pleasant day. But he's the kind of generous that gives till it hurts. And then just a little bit more. Can, can we be that kind of generous? The kind of generous that doesn't go, well, I can afford to. But the kind of generous that goes, I can't afford not to. So next time you're faced with an opportunity of being generous, push past the pain threshold. <laughs> push, push past the inconvenience. Oh, that's not very convenient. Do you have FPOS? Otherwise, I'm going to have to go to an ATM. Are you kidding me? So go to the ATM. Whatever. Go to the ATM. Go to the cross. Still think you're winning. What would Jesus do with what's in your wallet? I can't imagine Jesus having the conversation about, well, I just think tithing is an Old Testament principle. When the bucket came past, I just can't imagine Jesus doing that. I see a Jesus who'd probably turn his wallet upside down, just empty everything in there and go, come on, let's do this. So why don't we? I don't see a Jesus who just pays for himself when he's getting coffee. I see Jesus that looks at his wallet and goes, I've got 40 bucks. One, two, three. I don't pay for the next five people's coffee. That's the Jesus that I see. Five loaves and two fish. That's the Jesus that I see. So that's the Christian that I need to be. That is being generous with your wealth. Yeah? So why don't we? What is it that stops us from doing that? I'm glad you asked. I've got five things. The first one is fear. We're scared about what if I don't have enough? We're scared about what if it doesn't work out the way that I thought it should. But here's the thing. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and a sound mind. And so any time when fear is stopping you from doing something, it's a fair indication that what's lying on the other side of that is probably a God thing. Because God is not the author of fear. He won't make you afraid. So if you're feeling fear, something else is trying to stop you from getting to what God has for you. So if it's fear that's stopping you from being generous... God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, so it ain't Him. So if you want to get closer to God, it's time, perfect love casts out all fear. To understand who God is and what He's about and allow that to change the way that we think, which changes the way that we behave, right? What else? Oh, rationalization. (laughs) Well, you know, I just got to be a good steward. That's what I got to do. There's a story in... um, 1 Kings chapter 17, about a widow at Zarephath. And the man of God goes to see her and she's gathering sticks and he says, could I trouble you for a glass of water? And she goes, sure. He's got a bit of front, this guy, right? And then as she's walking away, he says, oh, and could you bring me a bit of bread? He's got a lot of front, this guy. At which point she turns around and says, oh, I would love to help you out with that. But the truth of the matter is that I have one handful of flour and a small amount of oil in the bottom of a jar. I'm about to make a loaf of bread for myself and my son, and then we're going to die, because that's the end of it. There was a famine in the land. And he says, yeah, yeah, cool, I hear what you're saying, but can you make me one first? 
are you going, mate? Seriously. Bit of front there, right? He wasn't even appealing to her abundance of wealth. He was asking for generosity out of her lack. Oh. And any rational person could make the argument, well, that would be highly irresponsible for her to do that. But here's the truth. She did it anyway. And as a result, the flour and the oil didn't stop until the famine was over. And as a bonus point, because of her generosity, the man of God came and lived in her house. And so sometime later, her son got sick and died. And the man of God raised her son from the dead. But only because he was there because of her generosity. So what she thought was about him may very well have been about her son all along. You don't know what your generosity might be doing. Please don't rationalize an, a, a miracle that God is trying to do in your world, in your zone, in your life, in your family. You don't know who he's positioning in your world through your generosity. And you don't know what they're going to speak life into at some point. Don't marginalize the influence of what God can do because you rationalize away the supernatural. That's exciting, right? Sometimes we don't, we're not generous because we don't trust. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord. What would you rather trust in, your bank balance or God Almighty? Some trust in chariots, and chariots speak of wealth, and horses, it's power. You want to trust in your power or the power of the Almighty? I would much rather risk myself on His ability to meet my need than my ability to meet my need any day of the week. So I choose generosity. Because why? Because some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. But I trust in Him. I trust in Him. I don't know what time it is. I'm going to run out of time. I'll tell you a quick story. When, when we were just newly married, we, um, uh, we had uh, $400 left in the bank account. $400 was exactly my car payment and was exactly the amount of tires that we had ready to go. And uh, um, because we got paid fortnightly or monthly, I think, and so it was our tithe for the month. And I remember Lisa rang me and she said, you know, I've got enough money to pay your car payment or the tithe, but not both. So what I'm thinking we'll do is we'll pay the car, we'll pay the car payment and then we'll catch up on the tithe. And she manages the money. I'll let her make those sorts of decisions. But I really felt in God that, no, that's not what we're going to do. That's not the precedent that we're going to set in our marriage. And I said to her, no, you need to pay, you need to pay the tithe. At which point she burst into tears. I don't know if you know my wife. It's not that unusual. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she began to cry. But they'll come and take your car. Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, that's a risk that we have to run. The, the tithe belongs to God. And, uh, and so reluctantly, <laughs> she did. And we felt good. Like We felt good about it. We're like We did the right thing. That was the right thing for us to do at that point. And I went to church on Sunday morning and, and two weeks before I had gone with Steve who was our music pastor and just carried his bags. He'd gone to speak at a, at a conference in, in Geelong and I just carried his bags and got roped into helping out with some of the band stuff and, and just whatever. And, and, uh, and so we came back and, and I saw him in church. I said, hey, Steve, how are you going? Yeah, good. He said, oh, oh, I've got a letter for you in my office. I was like, oh, cool. So I went to the office and he gave me this letter. He said, oh, the guys at, uh, um, uh, at Geelong just sent, sent you this letter. I'm like, oh, cool. So I opened it up and there's a letter. It's a lovely thing. So thanks so much and appreciate it. In the, in the bottom of the envelope was a check for $400. I 
Um, some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. I trust in the character of God. Don't let your trust be an issue as to why you're not generous. Some people don't give because they lack understanding. Well, I would say seek understanding out. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Let's be courageous enough to ask the questions and have the conversation and make sure that we're not just doing what feels right, but what is right. And the last thing, and I'm done. Hopefully you're all still awake. And I know this is nobody in this room. There's greed. 1 Timothy 6, 9-10 said, But those who desire to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Greed. I saw this incredible diagram the other day, which had, um, had three, um, had excess, enough, and suffering. And the difference between suffering and enough was a thing called needs. And the difference between enough and excess was wants. We are in a Western civilization, we've got no idea what need really is. I just need those new Nikes. No, you actually don't. You actually don't need. You want, and that's cool to want. But let's not not be generous because our greed is utilizing all of our resource, consumerism trying to get everything that we want. And in the meantime, there are people that have need and we're missing an opportunity. Is that cool this morning, church? I hope that helps you. I hope that brings levels of understanding, maybe helps you to just change your mindset towards what's in your pocket, what's in your heart, what's in your life. What wealth of talent do you have that you could be being generous with? What wealth of information do you have that you could be being generous with? What have you got in your pocket or in your bank account that you could be being generous with? And blessing somebody's life. Let's be that church. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 